gentlemen. It's good to hear those songs this morning. Amen. I was uh, definitely pleased with all the music this morning. It uh, gets me excited as Brother Bartell prayed. We can thank the Lord for the freedom that we have in our country. Amen. For all those that served in the armed services, would you stand that we can recognize you if you served our country? Would you stand we can recognize you this morning. Thank you so much. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I, uh, we ought to have hearts of gratitude, amen, and never lose sight of that. I'm afraid that we are losing sight of that, and we're using our freedoms for the wrong purposes today. And truly, we want the message of the Lord Jesus Christ to radiate, because there's where true freedom lies it's in the salvation that we have in jesus christ i'm looking forward to our fourth of july picnic uh, one is that we're going to be barbecuing a hog amen eyeballs and everything amen if you've never eaten a barbecued hog I, you ought to come and invite some folks to come we're going to be eating at noon and we'll have some chicken 
and some hot dogs and some other things. Now, even having a water slide, I Cheryl loved what the slide you had up there showing the picnic. I'd want to come just seeing the slide up there, all right? Just going to have a great time. And to all those that did help get the property in a little bit uh, better shape, there was a lot of work that went on yesterday, and we thank the Lord for all those men. How about those that did come yesterday and work? Could you just stand up and we can thank you for planting trees and everything. All very, everybody that worked yesterday, would you just stand up? If they're... You notice it took them a little longer to stand than usual this morning. We're not used to... When we were in this building project, we worked every day, every week, and all. We got in shape. Now we are not in shape, and that shovel is much heavier than it used to be. You know, as we uh, look at Thanksgiving and appreciation, um, two weeks ago we had Father's Day. And in that Father's Day, we, uh, we talked about Thanksgiving, and we talked about things that we ought to be doing uh, for our families and all. And I would hope that, number one, that we are excited about being able to come to church. This morning in my uh, message, I'm going to talk about who is this Mary? And we're going to talk about Mary Magdalene this morning. How many have heard of Mary Magdalene? Oh, everybody has. Isn't that something? Now, it's not the pop rock star of Jesus Christ superstar, nor how Hollywood portrays her, you're going to find a different Mary. And it's going to actually take us two weeks to cover her life. Can you imagine that? Two weeks to cover her life. You say, wow, I didn't know there was that much in the Bible about her. Well, we'll find out some significant things. I don't know about you, but when I get into the Word of God and study it, it becomes so rich and vibrant and things just keep uh, coming in there the audacity of the movie and rock culture to liken her to the lover of Jesus Christ I want to tell you this morning she was not the lover of Jesus Christ but she loved Jesus Christ just like every one of us who's been born again should love the Lord Jesus Christ we need to get it right so many people don't get it right she never got over what happened to her. I told my dad that I never got over what happened to me. I wonder to ask you the question this morning, have you gotten over what God has done for you? Now, be careful how you answer that because you need to answer that carefully. Sometimes we can get going through the motions and things that happen. I hope you're not over the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you're not lukewarm. I hope that you're, you have a passion in your heart. We'll be talking about that in a little bit. And as we talk about that, yeah, coming to church, and uh, in uh, Psalm 64, I'll just read you some passages here in Psalm 64. I read this this morning in my devotions. And uh, it talks about there uh, David, the psalmist. He was saying, How amenable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cries out for the living God. David says, My, I, my soul longs to be in the house of the Lord. I wonder if that's our desire this morning. 
Interesting how he goes on and he describes this. In verse 3 he says, Yea, the sparrows hath found a house, and a house a nest for herself, uh, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King, my God. Do you know what David is saying? He is jealous of the sparrows, of the birds, because they get to have their nest and live in God's house. He says in verse 4, Blessed are they which dwell in the house. They will be still praising thee. This is in Psalm 84. In verse 10 it says, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. David's saying it's better to be an usher or a greeter. Could I have all of our ushers and greeters stand up this morning? We can thank them for coming this morning and greeting you at the door. Oh, hurry up, hurry up, get up there real quick, real quick. Thank you so much for ushers and greeters. How about those who work in our hospitality? Carolyn, can all of your crew just stand up? All those that are going to take care of the hog on, on uh, their days and the decorations. Let's come on, stand up, stand up. Some of you are bashful this morning. We have about 40 people working in hospitality. You know, we want to give thanks to those that take care of the house of the Lord. It's exciting to be able to come to church. Went to a softball game this week, and man, I'm telling you what, uh, the folks got into it. I didn't get to see our team. Did they win or lose? We lost. Okay. You said that so somberly, Pastor Nathan, this I should have expected it. Is that what it should be? <laughs> we lost. It was the number one team that we played. Did we do well? We won't say what the score was, I guess. All right. I've, this is maybe a source. Of, I went to the game on Tuesday night and watched them play. And boy, the excitement and things like that. And, and it's easy and it's enjoyable, isn't it, to go out and play softball or to do those kinds of things. And I asked a gentleman, I says, let me ask you a question. Which do you look more forward to, going, playing softball, or going to church? We can ask ourselves that same question. There's something wrong when we don't want to be in church. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. We come for the purpose of worshiping. We come to learn more about the Lord. We come to hear God and let Him speak to our hearts of what He would have for us. And uh, two weeks ago, as we were into Father's Day, one of the things that we had gotten into is the fact that people are losing their appreciation. So that's why we recognize hospitality. Our musicians, our ushers and greeters, those that worked on the property, those that clean the carpets and take care of the facilities, and those that have a smile on their face and all those kinds of things that we can show appreciation. We need to be teaching our young people to appreciate who God is. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, it says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous. I'm going to tell you something. That first part of that phrase, men shall be lovers of their own selves, sets the course for the entire aspect of why people fail in loving God. Did you hear what I said? 
The reason why people get over Jesus Christ is because they can't get over themselves. You ought to write that down. The reason people are getting over Jesus Christ is because they can't get over themselves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, and unholy. We have to ask ourselves, in every one of these aspects, as a signs of the times, are we living in those signs today? Are we teaching one another to have gratitude in our hearts? Dr. Bob Jones Sr. said that if gratitude dies on the heart of man, he is well nigh hopeless. We need to teach gratitude, but gratitude needs to be in the heart to be thankful. If we have high expectations, we will be disappointed. I was thinking as I was out uh, to thinking about how sometimes we look ahead for some things and sometimes it doesn't turn out the way we like it to turn out and therefore we get upset or we lose our joy. Sometimes we look back and sometimes that can be a wrong look as well as we look back at our successes or our failures and they can be anchors to our future. Sometimes we look around to see what's going on. But can I tell you the best place to look is to look up. Amen? The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, set your affections on things above. Amen to that? Do we? I hope we do. Another verse I read this week in my devotions is Psalm 78, 1, and then verses 4 and 6. Uh, interesting, I found out this uh, miscal. How do you say that, Brother Turner? Is that how you say it? Mascal, mascal is actually the word, a Hebrew word which means instruction. This is the instruction of Asaph. And he is saying here, give ear, O my people. Pay attention to my laws. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. Boy, I tell you what, to listen so we can learn, so we can grow. We ask God, what does he want us to do with what we hear? He says in verse 4, We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generations to come the praises of our Lord. When I was reading that, I was, I was thinking about our Father's Day message and everything. How important is it for our homes to be homes of praise? Man, we ought to be talking about how wonderful the Lord is rather than all the difficulties of life. Do you hear what I'm saying? The power of praise. We are going to be talking about more of that on Wednesday nights as we get into prayer and praise uh, about us. I encourage you to be a house of praise. It doesn't have to be here at this church, but I love to praise the Lord here too. Amen? We get to praise the Lord corporately. I love to praise the Lord as I go down the streets as well, showing to the the generation to come, the praises of the Lord and His strength, His wonderful works that He hath done. Great privilege that our young people had to work in this facility to see the power of God. He says in verse 5, For He establishes a testimony in Jacob and appoints a law in Israel, which He commends our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. Is this a suggestion or is this a command? 
This is a command. May God help us. Let's bow our heads in prayer right now. Would you take a moment to even what we've heard so far, would you say, Lord, help me to be a man or woman or boy or girl of praise and thanksgiving and show gratitude. Sometimes our expectations cause us to go in the wrong ways. Would you just take a moment and then ask yourself, if God continues to speak, will you respond this morning with what ways God has for you and for this preacher? So, Lord, as we get into our message now, Lord, I pray that we will show gratitude, that, Lord, that you'll help us in these things, and that, Father, that uh, we will see this as manifested in a life of a woman called Mary Magdalene. I pray that, Lord, that you'll just help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Ah, gratitude. Gratitude. We're going to see this in her life for our Savior, for our salvation. We can see it for serving, the privilege of serving. It is a privilege to serve for the servants at Westside Baptist Church. Can we have gratitude for suffering? Yes or no? (laughs) How many are grateful for suffering? <laughs> Mike, you sent me something this week, and I, I found it fascinating. You said I said it. I don't remember saying it, but do you remember what you sent me in text this week? Yeah, I don't remember it either. Something there. It's how many have a forgetter also, you know? Let's not forget. But but suffering. We see the suffering there of Job. And then, you know, can you give thanks for sin? And what I mean by that. If you recognize it as sin, that's the first step of getting saved. Isn't that right? You recognize that you are a sinner. When I recognize that I am a sinner, then I can call upon my Savior to rescue me. I am glad when God shows me when I sin. Well, we need to be thankful for that. Would you want your child to keep going in the wrong direction or will you try to pull him in and help him on the right direction of his life? Of a loving father, Hebrews chapter 12 tells us you can be thankful for the chastening of the Lord because that means that you are a legitimate child of His. Boy, those are some things that we can be thankful for. The Bible tells us in all things give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known uh, to God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now we're going to get into Mary. Now that's why it takes us two weeks to get into Mary because there's all these little drippings that come off the throne room of grace that we get to enjoy and how God speaks to our heart. I hope he has spoken to your heart already. Who is this Mary? So turn in your Bibles if you would. She was someone who never got over her salvation. And we're going to see in her life that she shows her gratitude. She shows her gratitude. Who is this Mary? Now, here in 
Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, we're going to find her mentioned. She is mentioned here amongst, do you know how many Marys there are in the Bible? There's approximately, I think there's six of them, all in the New Testament. They're all a New Testament word. There are six of them. It is mentioned 54 times. Her name is mentioned 54 times. 19 of those references are to uh, the mother of Jesus. And then 13 of them are here to Mary Magdalene. 11 to Mary of Bethany. Nine of them, Mary, the mother of James. One of them, the mother of Mark, John Mark. And one of them, of mother of uh, servant of Rome. You can tell who they are usually by context or some family re- uh, reflection there or sometimes by location. Mary Magdalene, she is from the area of Magdalene. So don't get them confused. Now sometimes it's easy to get confused on names, isn't it? Here in our church, we have Diane, we have Diana, we have Deanne, we have Deanna, we have uh, Dee. You know, all these names here. And somebody expects us to remember them. Why don't everybody have a simple name like Gregory? Amen to that? <laughs> amen. I got, I got one amen. Other Gregory's in here? Uh, all right. Yeah, that's your last name. That's right. Oh. <laughs> uh, she is mentioned here. Let's read in verse 1. came to pass afterwards that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. And certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. And then mentions these others, uh, Jonah, uh, Joanna, excuse me, the wife of uh, Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others, more than likely referring to women, which ministered unto him of their substance. Now this is a fascinating passage. Number one, it is because this is the first place that Mary Magdalene is mentioned. And she is not mentioned in this context in the other three Gospels. Remember I said that Luke's Gospel presents Jesus Christ as the Son of Man. And there are places in Luke's Gospel that brings out some of these amazing uh, deliverances. Is like what we studied about close to a month ago when you go back into uh, chapter 7 about this woman who comes, who is a prostitute, and she washes Jesus' feet with her hair. Remember that story? That's only found in Luke. And then the parable that is, uh, that is given there about the person that has been forgiven 500 uh, pence uh, or 500 days of salary versus the person that has been forgiven 50 days or 50 pence of salary. And it talks about who's going to love more. Who's going to appreciate more. 
We've got to remember that as Luke unfolds these stories, these are only mentioned here in Luke. Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. In chapter 7 is this prostitute and that wonderful parable. Now in chapter 8, Mary Magdalene, who has seven demons cast out of her. Someone has said that they thought that maybe this was the woman that is there in chapter 7, the prostitute. It could be, but possibly not. We're not sure, as there's not really a link there except in the sequence of these events that are taking place. So here she has seven demons under the power of Satan, and she is delivered. By the way, is the devil real? Sure is. You know, there's still demons around today that people deal with. Uh, they're real. They can come in. The Bible says, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath, lest you give place to the devil. Be careful. There are things that are going on that the devil wants to occupy your mind. We've been studying that for a long time on Wednesday nights. Lust. You think the devil wants to create lust in your heart and mind? Does he work overtime to make the television shows such that they're a little lucid or illicit? The demons of pride. When we start thinking that we've got all the answers, the demons of greed, the demons that come into our mind. How about the voices that we hear? You ever talk to yourself? Have you ever thought that maybe you're not talking to yourself? The voice of strangers that come in that say things that are not true. The Bible tells us to sort those things out. Oh, to be delivered from worry, anxieties, frustrations, pride, lust. Is God able to deliver us? Amen. And when He does, should we not have appreciation? Absolutely. Well, Mary has this great appreciation and she shows this appreciation by living giving. Do you see what she does here? And these other women. And, and by the way, is this is an interesting passage. This is the only place that it's found. But you can imagine these this entourage that traveled with Jesus, Jesus himself, and usually his 12 apostles and others that would travel with him, they were supported, just kind of like missionaries. And these women, out of their own means, were supporting these servants of the Lord. Isn't that something? Only here is it found in this portion of scriptures it says uh, and many others which ministered unto him of their substance we don't know if they had husbands we don't know what was all a part of their lives or anything like that but we see that their heart was so in love with the Lord and what he was doing that they gave of their substance I encourage us all to be pondering that as we live for the Lord Paul talks about a man that loved him and while he was in prison there in 2 Timothy, writing his last book of his life, uh, he refers back to Onesiris who had come and refreshed him. You know, Paul's in prison and Onesiphorus, if I say that right, refreshed me and was not ashamed of my change. He would come and associate with this prisoner in the Roman prison. 
But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently, and he found me. He looked for Paul. And the Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. You know, in the prisons there of Rome, you wouldn't have three meals a day. You wouldn't have the hygienic aspects and the, the care of a, of a modern day prison that we have today. It was often up to relatives and friends to come and to bring those things to that person in prison. And Onesiphorus met the needs of, uh, of Paul there. We see also in Philippians, well, again, while he's there in prison, he's writing to the Philippian church and he says, know from the beginning of the gospel, Paul brought the gospel to the Philippians and when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once again unto my necessities. I tell you what, when God burdens our hearts, we need to do what God wants us to do. Amen to that? We're seeing this brought out, and, and we see appreciation. I, I remember uh, Dr. Walter Free, who ran the youth camp, that I got saved at. And I every time I had opportunity to search him out, even after he got Lou Gehrig's disease and was in bed for close to 15 years writing four books with Lou Gehrig's disease, every time I went back to, there to, the, to Greenville, South Carolina, I'd go to his house and look him up and I'd say, Dr. Fremont, thank you for praying for me. Thank you for having a camp. Thank you for, for allowing uh, that camp to go on so I could come and hear the gospel. Those that minister, you know, the Romans chapter 10 says, how beautiful are the feet of those that minister the gospel to deliver us from hell. Oh, I tell you what, too often we get over it too quickly. He says uh, in 2 Thessalonians, Paul also there, verses uh, 6 through 10, chapter 3, now we commend you, brethren, we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourself from every brother that walks disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. For yourselves know ye ought to follow, for ye behaved not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travailed night and day that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have no power, or not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. So we see here the giving of Mary and these women that were taking the, and helping in the travel and the spread of the gospel. Just like today, we have the privilege to give to missions and the advancement of the cause of Christ. And as Pastor Nathan has said, our kids going to youth camp. This is exciting. Pastor Nathan, you told me how many buddy scholarships do we have uh, going to youth camp? Ten? Fifteen hundred other scholarships that we're given kids to go to camp. The buddy scholarship is given to those who are not a part of a church or the church that's coming, and getting kids hopefully that don't know the Lord to come and to hear the gospel. 
how wonderful it is to be a part of that. Wouldn't you agree that they can get $100 off their camp and come? People contribute to that. People give graciously, and as God lays on their heart, they give. And so what we've seen here is that these women were given. We see churches that Paul ministered giving to him. But we also see in this passage where Paul says, I went out and I made tents so that I would not be a burden to others. We also see that taking place here in the work of the ministry. A fascinating passage. May God help us in these things. So we're, and here's where we see Mary Magdalene. Interesting passage. Three verses. That's it. We won't find her in Matthew, Mark, uh, or John in this context. Now, my question. Where else or where were the other times that we saw Mary Magdalene? Remember I said 13 times she is referred to in the Bible. We only see once here. There are 12 other times that she is mentioned at the resurrection. Well, let's back up just a little bit for that. At the cross. At the cross. Where do we see this Mary? Where else do we see her? We see her at the cross. Understand, a year and a half passes. A year and a half passes. We don't see anything more about her. We see probably she was faithful in this endeavor and helping in the advancement of Christ. And now Jesus Christ is hanging on the cross and we see Mary Magdalene there at the cross. I find that fascinating. year and a half later, you'll see it mentioned. Now, catch on to this. Interesting. I, there's little tidbits of things that, that stick out to my mind. But here in Matthew 27, among when, which was Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of Zebedee and the mother of Zebedee's children. They're here at the cross. There's women at the cross. There was only one disciple at the cross. You remember his name? John. John was the only disciple that went to the cross. But yet here at the cross, and I find this quite fascinating, that here at the cross where Jesus Christ is being crucified, all the, the wicked things that were done unto him, the women showed up for it. The men did not. In Mark's account, it says, there were also women looking on afar off, among whom was who? Mary Magdalene. And Mary, the mother of James, the less, and Joseph and Salome. And Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, beheld where he was laid. Now that's interesting. You keep uh, attuned to that, if you would, please. In Luke, and all his acquaintances and the women that followed him from Galilee stood afar off, beholding these things. In John chapter 19, verse 25, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. Can I ask a question? 
in all four accounts, there's something different about Luke's. What's different about Luke's account here at the cross? What's different about Luke's account at the cross? Her name is not mentioned. Do you see that? In Mar- Matthew's account it was mentioned. In Mark's account it was mentioned. In John's account it was mentioned. Luke just says, the women. Because Luke is the only one that mentions Mary Magdalene in Luke chapter 8 previously. Isn't that interesting? Here she's at the cross, though, in all four of the Gospels. The women at the cross, near the cross. By the way, we sing a song called Near the Cross. Do you know who wrote Near the Cross? Fanny Crosby. Fanny Crosby wrote a lot of hymns. Do you know how many hymns Fanny Crosby wrote? Over 8,000. They're not really sure how many she wrote because she used different pen names and all. She was uh, she went to the school for the blind and there helped develop the school for blind and actually create an awareness of blind people in America. She married a blind musician and there became teachers in the school. And as she got older, she was in the 19, or 1860s in that area group and all. Uh, D.L. Moody came and met her. D.L. Moody asked her a question after she'd written so many psalms, you know, face-to-face with Christ my Savior and all the other ones that she wrote, uh, so many. Uh, many of them we don't even have uh, copies of today. D.L. Moody asked her, if you had one request, what it, would it be? And Fanny Crosby's response was so stirring to D.L. Moody. He supposed that she would say that I would be able to see. And this is what she's told D.L. Moody. She says, if I had one request, it would be to remain blind until I see my Savior. There are people who never get over it, who have a love for the Lord Jesus Christ like Mary Magdalene. Seven demons cast at her. Why, why would she go to the cross? There she saw the one who delivered her from those seven demons. You know, the disciples thought it was all over. They didn't come to the tomb that they didn't expect him to raise. And of course, neither did Mary Magdalene. But we see her going to the tomb, don't we? She comes to the cross and she stays there. And then as you you see these passages, you'll notice that in Matthew 27, uh, it says, And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. What you're going to find, that after they had taken Jesus off of the cross and, and Joseph of Arimathea, and some men took him into a tomb that was a brand new tomb, Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, and placed his body and anointed his body. Mary Magdalene went to that time and saw where they laid him. Not only did she stay at the cross, but she followed him all the way to the tomb. Mark 15:47, and Mary Magdalene and Mary, the other mother of Joseph, beheld where they laid him. 
Now, this is on what day, by the way? Friday. You all know that? Friday. Now, we're going to have Easter in July. Is that okay? They laid him. You'll have to come back next week, though, to hear it. They laid him in the tomb on Friday. She saw where he laid them. She goes back home and prepares ointment to anoint his body on the first day of the week. So on the Holy Sabbath, she goes and she stays in her home. And she gets up early in the morning to come find Jesus Christ. And you know just a little bit about the story. She knew where they laid them, and they, she also knew something else too. What else did she know? She knew that there was a big rock placed in front of that tomb, right? And as going to the tomb, taking their ointments with them, she supported the Lord for a year and a half, now carrying these ointments to anoint the body on the third day before the fourth day, because in the Jewish custom, on the fourth day, the body would stink. Remember Lazarus. And they came to anoint on the third day. And as they're walking, and the women are walking. Can you imagine, Ron? The men were nowhere to be found. Who's going to roll the stone away? The men didn't come. They didn't know who would roll that stone away, but they knew the stone was there. By faith, they believed that there was no stone too great they could not conquer their love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And they went anyways. And you all know what happens, don't you? But we're going to look at that in greater detail next time. But what I want you to catch this morning is here is a woman who was delivered from seven demons and had a passion for God, and she never got over it. I want to ask Westside Baptist Church, do we have a passion for God. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I personally believe that if you realize how many demons the devil was kicked out of your life, realize that God has delivered you from eternity of fire and damnation, we ever be lukewarm? Oh, gratitude. You know, we started this service off with praise and thanksgiving. I wonder, hey, <laughs> we're talking about Easter this morning. And how about Thanksgiving? Can we have Thanksgiving in July? Can we have a heart of gratitude? You need to ask yourself a question. Have you ever gotten over it? The Ephesus church over it. The Bible says they lost their first love. Ask yourself, are you more in love with the Savior today than you were when you first got saved? It ought to be that way. 
one mention in Luke chapter 8 which gives us insight to this Mary Magdalene. All Gospels, we would never know who she was. But you read Luke's account, and Luke brings out that detail that she was delivered by seven demons. The love of God to rescue sinners. Never get over it. Don't be self-centered. Don't love yourself, narcissistic. Get over ourselves. Paul says, the love of God constrains me. I'm afraid that when we have choices to make, we make too many choices out of a love for self rather than a love for the Savior. If God's speaking to your heart this morning, why don't we respond this morning? Say, God, forgive me. Can we find that heart and silence and kick off the scales that have come in that distract us from our view of heaven? Someday we're going to be there if you know Jesus is your Savior. Don't ever get over it. Fall in love with the Lord again. There might, I, I believe there's somebody here that needs to fall in love with Jesus again. I don't know how many of us this morning but you ask yourself, would you just be honest right now? Is the Holy Spirit working in your heart? And like I said at the very beginning, I'm thankful for God showing me what I need to correct. Would you just be honest with yourself? Listen, if you won't be honest right now in this invitation time, you could take yourself a step further from the Lord. And I want to encourage in Psalms, it talks about why wouldn't they repent? Why wouldn't they turn? Oh, the blessings, the drippings of heaven. It ought to get sweeter as the years go by. Is it, my friend? I beg of you, take this invitation seriously. God laid this message on my heart two weeks ago. When I got up off my knees to prepare this message, I couldn't write it fast enough. Because God said, this is what I want you to get. To all of us, there's no greater joy that we can have than our love for God. And if it's not there, why not ask God to help you with it? We're going to give an invitation, give you the opportunity to come to this altar. I encourage you, do what God wants you to do. Number two in this invitation, too, is... If you don't know for certain where you're going to spend eternity, why don't you come and make that known either during this invitation time or before you leave. Just say, I want to make sure I have Jesus as my Savior. You come this morning. Let's stand to our feet. And as you might come this morning, we're going to let Pam play it one more time and then we're going to sing it together at the cross. At the cross where I first saw the light. But let's sing